Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Taylor Twelman from ESPN, and you're listening to the Plugged In Nashville Soccer Podcast. Okay, episode three. It is here. It is live, and we have a special guest with us, ESPN soccer analyst Taylor Twelman is virtually in the building, and we're looking forward to a matchup that is going to take place on ESPN Sunday, 1 Eastern. Nashville SC is hosting Inter-Miami. That's the third straight home match for, for Nashville, and it's going to be probably the biggest pressure uh, because we've seen with Nashville two straight draws coming from behind against Cincinnati and Montreal, two teams that are, are have had a lot of offseason reconstruction. And of course, we'll be getting to Inter Miami later about their offseason reconstruction. But of course, we'll be talking about the matchup. We'll also be talking about some of the designated players, some of the big time players and where they are this year. How are they doing their impact for these two teams? And then we'll be asking Taylor you know, what he thinks about the matchup, what he thinks are the keys to victory, and then the impact of Jean Cadiz, Randall Leal for Nashville, and of course, the Higuain brothers, Gonzalo Higuain and Federico Higuain, as well as Rodolfo Pizarro in his second year in MLS. Taylor, it's, the, up, first, it's, it's the first time you're on the show. This is your debut, my man. How are you feeling today? I'm extremely nervous. <laughs> extremely nervous. No, it's probably, I wouldn't say I'm John Champion-esque, so I was hoping that you could probably bring it down and maybe set you in, settle you in a little bit. <laughs> no, nah, this is good, man. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So you've obviously seen these two teams and covering them the past year, and then obviously this is the second season for both franchises. This is probably the matchup that will not look like the others. I mean, go back to 2020, Inter-Miami had not only a struggle, Diego Alonso coming in from Monterey, he's the new coach. Inter-Miami spends the big bucks. They bring in Pizarro, they bring in Matias Pellegrini, they bring in Julian Carranza, they bring in Lewis Morgan. They have all these big pieces, right? And yet when they came up to Nashville, it was like a tale of two, two different stories, really. Nashville having a more solidified MLS veteran roster and then enter Miami coming with those European and South American guns. Yet when they two, when the two placed each other, when they, when they got on the field, they were lopsided Nashville C really strangling enter Miami to not being able to score a goal. Like this enter Miami Scott is, this is not scored a goal against Nashville C yet going into this season, enter Miami looked like a different type of setup. Diego Alonso out in comes Phil Neville. You also have Gonzalo Higuain. He's in his first full season. He scored some goals already. You also have Federico, Federico Higuain. Both of the two have beaten Philadelphia Union already at Subaru Park. It seems like this matchup here is probably going to be an outlier compared to what we've seen before. 
Yes and no. However, I think we need to be fair to enter Miami going into that playoff game. COVID-19 kind of changed that complexion of that team 24 hours before kickoff. Right. So you saw a defeated team, a defeated team, excuse me, against Nashville in the playoffs. I'm not taking anything away from Nashville. They completely dismantled them and put them on their backside. However, we need to be a little bit more fair to what inner Miami was. Um, I do think inner Miami would have uh, would have lost that game anyways. Um, this is a better matchup just because, you know, you've got a little bit different of an attitude within Phil Neville and that Miami group. You've got a little bit different um, attitude and understanding of what they want to become. Um, there's still a little level of uncertainty within the group because you still don't know you're only two games in. Um, but you also have a little revenge factor. They were embarrassed. And so coming Sunday in Nashville, you're going to get a different look from Miami. So to that point, yes, you're right. And obviously in the sense that the way the first year went versus second year, it's going to be different. It's going to be a better game, quite honestly. Um, I think Nashville has shown signs of being, improved on the attacking side, even though I would argue with the Gary Smiths of the world and those saying, well, listen, we're creating a ton of chances. We lead MLS in shots and shots on goal. That's fine. All the numbers say it. However, you didn't win the games. And so I, I, when you go up against Montreal and your expected goals, and I don't use this stat a ton, but it does say a lot. And it's almost three times more than what the other team did. And you didn't leave with three points. That tells you about something. So while I do agree that some of the goals that they've given up have been a little flukish, um, deflections, whatever it may be, you're creating a ton of chances. And at the end of the year, you're going to have me on this podcast. And if Nashville is fighting for a playoff spot or not even in the playoff picture, I'm going to look at you, right, and say, well, four points could have been had in the first two games. And so that's why I think this one's a little bit more interesting because there's a lot of pressure on Gary Smith and Nashville to make sure they get three points at home because they've dropped two games in a row that they should have won. Yeah, and we're talking about this big block, right, with Nashville. So you get four straight at home. And obviously we know we know the, the may, may not be the shiniest car at the dealership, but New England Revolution is still a, a respected side, and, and Bruce Arena have, has done some things. And obviously we saw what happened in the playoffs last year. Um, it would have seemed like by this time when we were looking at the schedule when it came out that Nashville FC were going to be between that four and six point range. And, and, and now they're sitting on, and on two points. And so when, when you look at the keys to actually for Nashville, actually getting this win, getting this done and putting Inter Miami home, what's going to be the key for Nashville going into Sunday? Uh, similar to what they did in the playoff game is just make sure they're on the front foot and they punch Miami in the face and, and literally punch them in the mouth in the first 15 minutes and let Miami not get into any rhythm. Now, they're a different team under Phil Neville, right, versus D Diego Alonso last year. So from what we've seen early on, but just get after them. You know, make sure you dictate that you're not going to allow them to build any kind of rhythm and get any kind of flow and see how Miami reacts. That's what works. Now, that's a little different from National in the first 20 minutes of the first two games this year. They've actually been slow, right? So it's kind of going against what Nashville's done, and I'm sure Gary Smith is going to work on that all week. But I think that's the first most important thing is just to make sure you get out, make inner Miami uncomfortable, and then play. 
you know, Nashville can play a little bit more than they're given credit for, right? And, and they, they do have the ability to possess the ball and create chances, which they've done in the first two games, albeit against one of the worst defensive teams we've seen in this league in Cincinnati. And Montreal is going to struggle on, on that end, even though Montreal will score goals. I, I just I think this is an interesting game because I think you're going to learn a lot about Nashville after the first two games, first two games that they should have won. Where is the mentality of this group? And I'd be shocked if you don't get a better game from them on Sunday. And of course, we, we were talking about it. Uh, and you mentioned earlier is this whole this whole message about we've created the most shots on goal. We've had the most total shots. We lead the league in both categories. And, you know, as we go out of that, there still might be a tale of that of that story, which is the preseason. What comes what comes around this whole quartet of of, of matches to begin the season was about how Nashville City only able to play Louisville on the 20th of March. Then they have two against the Red Bulls and against New York City FC. Those don't get played. And then you obviously you play Tampa on the 31st. But then Inter Miami, the same team we're talking about, the team you were supposed to end your pre, your preseason in Florida, that also got axed. And we also saw that Miami's preseason was pretty much sideline um, in regards to that as well. Right. And so uh, what is your take on how big of an impact the preseason has been for Nashville? Well, it's the same for everyone. Listen, we could go through each individual team and see how some teams had a difficulty with COVID and some didn't. Now, on one hand, the team that had the most seamless preseason is the only team that has six points, and that's the LA Galaxy. Um, I think the preseason was too short. It was the longest offseason. So you're going to have some injuries. You're going to have some rust. Uh, that's just the unfortunate part for every team. That's not a Nashville problem. That's a Major League Soccer problem, right? So mm-hmm. that's where I don't really buy into it. But, you know, Miami had nothing. Seattle, which I've done one of their games, they had nothing because they had games canceled from COVID. They won their first game 4-0. So I, I get it to a certain extent. I think in general, the preseason's a factor. Absolutely. You're going to have some rust. You're going to have some injuries, like I've said. But to say it's just a Nashville thing, that's where you're going to – that's where I'm probably going to stop you because it's literally the only conversation I'm having with all the technical staffs of, of other teams. And – a part of this matchup specifically, as we get back to, you know, the matchup on Sunday, one o'clock Eastern on ESPN, Taylor Tolman is going to be on the call. John Champion, the great, the great English voice is uh, that combination. We'll get to that later, maybe at the end of, of our conversation. But you know, I'm, I'm so fascinated as to how you guys play off each other and look forward to hearing that. We actually that. hate each other's guts. It's the best. Yeah, game. I was going to say there's I, I genuinely think during halftime there might be some more than banter. How about that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely. probably accurate. <laughs> yeah, but going to Sunday's match, I mean, the history of these two sides playing against each other, the last two times, what I noticed was Randall Leal coming into his boots, essentially. I saw after the whole MLS's back debacle and then after the, those, you know, shall we say, pre-phase uh, one matches with Dallas, and then, of course, they played Orlando. Orlando was just on a roll. Um, he ended up scoring in that first that first game in that round one against Orlando. But to me, he really didn't establish himself as Randall Leal until October and November. We all saw that screamer um, and, and, and that you were on the call, that ESPN matchup 
in that in that playing round. Um, how how much do you buy into Randall Leal? Is how much of an impact is he the guy to you as far as a creative and attacking threat for Nashville? What is your assessment? Yeah, I mean, listen, if, it, if he adds the final product, then you've got something. Mm. I, I think that's the most inconsistent part of his game, at least from 2020. Now, we've seen better glimpses of it, the playoffs last year and already early on this year. I, I like the player a lot. I like the player profile. Um, I like what he brings. I think his success will be – Cadiz is another one, right? So if he's better and more efficient, then it helps Leal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think both could be a real good one-two combo and they've gotten chances in the first two games, make no mistake yeah. about it. So you you could see some goals. I like Leal a lot. I really do. I just think, you know, the only criticism I would have is the final product, the final decision, the final pass, final, mm-hmm. whatever it may be. If that comes, then you're looking at a player that could easily have 10 goals, seven assists at the end of the year. Yeah. I, I, I've said this on this podcast before, and, and if I go on another radio station, I'll say it. I think that partnership between Leal and Cadiz is the best for Nashville going forward. I like what Hani does from set pieces. I like the way he connects. He helps Dax. He brings the ball. He helps Anibal to get those guys to help them do their dirty work and advance the ball up the field to create some sort of a attacking progression. Um, I'm still, and I think we all are still looking at what the right wing is going to do. We've seen Alex Mwil come from Red Bulls. He's still that defensive guy who can offer you something offensively, but you can tell that we're still trying to find that offensive flair on the right side. And so that is your strongest link-up play. And I think when you have to look at DPs, that's probably the biggest impact in the final third that you're going to see. It's just, to your point, it's a matter of those teams, those two players having that finishing product, whether it's together or as individuals. Um, but when we talk about impact, I wanted to get back to Miami because as we talked about before, the offseason has been whether it's Kieran Gibbs and Ryan Shawcross coming in. But really, let's start from the top here with Chris Henderson coming in from Seattle and the fact that Phil comes, Phil Neville comes along with him. What's the first impression from you and your perspective of what those two guys have done with this Miami side? Yeah, I mean, Chris Henderson's well experienced. He's been a part of a the most ex- successful franchise in MLS history with the Seattle Sounders. He has found and scouted many a great players that have come in for the Sounders. Gregory's one of them that Seattle was all over. Uh, they found Ja Paulo instead, and then now Chris Henderson gets Gregory to come in. Phil Neville's a guy that coaches players from 1 through 32, which is something consistent from what I've heard, which in MLS you've got to find a way to coach players up. I think it's something Gary Smith does very well. Um And so it's a little bit of a change of identity. You know, it's almost as a reboot or different start or something from Inter-Miami and David Beckham, the fact that he's more involved. But Henderson and Neville, you know, so far are aligned. Um, And I think Phil Neville's going to have some growing pains in MLS just with time change and travel and all of this stuff, weather, climates, all this stuff that no one's used to until they come over and see it for about six months. Um, but the result at Philadelphia is a pretty good result, if you ask me. And you look at the matchup again. This is this is too. This is probably something that even fans won't necessarily under or be able to see, be able to predict. Thinking, okay, this is probably just going to be exactly what we saw last year. 
if you're a fan and you're at the game on Sunday, what is something that's going to look completely different, whether it's Nashville or Miami? Uh, I think you've seen a different Blaze Matweedy from Miami already. Um, I think Blaze Matweedy has been way more impactful in large, in large because of just Gregory coming in. You know, mm. Gregory now simplifies what Matweedy's role is, and so now he's not in between which he was in the playoff game. So Matweedy looks better. Rodolfo Pizarro's a good player. You know, Dax McCarty's going to have his hands full, which I know Dax is going to be up for the challenge. But Pizarro and that, you know, Gonzalo Higuain combo up front, it's going to be interesting. I, I think it's one in the middle. Uh, this game is going to be one right through the middle, which midfield dictates the tempo of the game, has a greater impact on the game. Uh, I think that's going to be more so than Cadiz versus Gonzalo Higuain up front. I, I think the game's going to be one in the middle, whichever system works, you know, depending on what Nashville and Miami do on Sunday. I think whoever wins the central midfield battle is going to win this game. Taylor Twelman from ESPN. He'll be on the call alongside, as we mentioned, John Champion. Nashville C, Inter-Miami, 1 Eastern, Nissan Stadium on ESPN. Taylor, thanks so much for coming on Plugged In, and hopefully this won't be your last time. It won't be. I'll see you right before the playoffs when they are four points out of the playoffs. You heard it here. Taylor Twelman, we're on the record. I'm going to find this, and I'm probably going to tweet it out. But until next time, Taylor, you take care. All right, my man. Be good. See ya. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.